forward to this day for weeks, months. It's here, and I'm just like, Lord, just give me the words to speak. There's so much I can say. There's so much I would like to say. <laughs> and I got about 35 to 40 minutes to just cram everything in. And I'm just thrilled. It is stinking sweet. Uh, together for a season, scattered for a lifetime, and then together again in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, so I'm stoked. I'm stirred, and I'm honored. And uh, Daniel and Dane are some of my best friends in the whole world. I just started leading a small group again in January. 32 years old, two kids, married. Woohoo! Let's go! People need to hear the gospel. Two of my small group guys got baptized last week. Just excited, and I, I was telling them last week about Daniel and Dane, and uh, I didn't. Yeah, you ever have that where you're like, I'm going to talk about something specific, and then you end up talking about something else you didn't intend on talking about. And the Lord still uses it. it was great, and uh, it was one of those moments where we're, all of a sudden we're talking about what real fellowship is, and I'm just like, shit. Next thing I knew, I'm sharing stories, I'm talking about these, you know, my two best friends, and I and I look over, and they're just like. You know, because I'm like, we knew more about each other than our parents did. And there was real fellowship. You know, they're, they're just like, look at me like, that is deep fellowship. Like, you for real. Like, this wasn't a joke. And uh, it, was, it was serious. And there, there was no secrets. And we knew everything about each other. And they were like, whoa. And, um, and I'm looking them in the eyes and telling them how a great missionary told Dane, Daniel and I one time that if, it doesn't, if this is as good as it gets, you have failed. And we were like, what do you mean? Because if you can't recreate what you have right here, you have failed in discipleship. And I'm looking at these two men, telling them this. <laughs> and I'm telling them the same thing I have with these two guys I can have with you too. And uh, that's why the Lord brought us together. And, and we just had this incredible night together last week in small group. And so it's fitting to be here with you tonight. Uh, grateful to Jesus. I... Uh, who grew up in church? Raise your hand. Come on. Okay. Who did not grow up in church at all? Raise your hand. Okay. Nice. About half and half. Did anybody, you raise your hand for both? Anybody? <laughs> I feel like one of you did. <laughs> like in the middle, you know. I was close to the middle. I was one of those holiday goers, but kind of went, you know, once a month, once every two months. I absolutely hated to go into church. I was an Eminem wannabe in high school. Uh, I was just a thug. Um, that's what I did. Uh, some of my friends are in jail. That old friends that I had in high school, and I was just a rebel. I was a rebel. I remember when my best friend in high school's dad sat down with us to try to open up the Bible, talk to us about Jesus, and I, I just got up, walked out of the room, and said, "Man, I don't want to hear none of this," and I rejected the gospel. And I tell people if I died that day, uh, I would have gone to H double hockey sticks. Uh, but thank goodness for God and his grace. Just don't know if kids are in the room, so, you know, better say sorry. And uh, there's a moment in my life where I hit rock bottom. And I was depressed, felt like I had no, no purpose, no meaning in my life, felt like I was alone. I was in my room. I would have these nightmares. It was terrible. And I heard a small whisper. It was the only time that I had ever heard the audible voice of God speak. In a small whisper, and he said, go pick up a Bible and read it. And it was in the corner of my room, and it freaked me out. And I checked my hole upstairs, and nobody was upstairs. And I was like, holy cow. And I knew I had a choice to make. I had heard the truth. I had known the truth. 
But now it depended on having the faith to carry it out so that it would become a real experience. Yeah, right. So I knew I could put my faith in God or I could keep on running. I walked back into my room, grabbed my old dusty Bible, the only one we had in the house, turned to Genesis 1-1 and started reading. I said, God, if this is you, then I want to know you and everything there is, there, there is to know about you. And I learned to pray. The only prayer I knew before that was, God, would you give me a girlfriend? <laughs> So I learned to really pray and seek the face of God. And I didn't date a girl. I didn't have another girlfriend until Michaela, who's my wife, who I love dearly. And we met in Kyofen College, and it was a beautiful story. My wife is on fire for God. She loves Jesus. She's incredible. If you ever met her, she is a woman who loves God. And so I met Jesus. My life radically changed. And I lost all my friends. And I said, Lord, would you put friends in my life? I don't have any. And God sent Daniel Young to come ask me if I've ever read the, or if I read the Bible. To which my reply was, yes. And he goes, would you like to come to a Bible study? And I was like, absolutely. I got tons of questions that I don't know the answer to. And I remember talking to Dane McReynolds in his house. Asking him if I was supposed to sacrifice an animal for my sin. <laughs> Build an altar. You're shaking, you're shaking your head back there. You're like, no, you didn't. Come on, Junior. And uh, I, I just, it didn't click yet. And Dane replied to me so gently, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. And tears just came down my face. And it just clicked right there in his room. So... Praise the Lord. I love God. I'm so grateful to be walking with Jesus. The Bible says if you, uh, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. And there's 200 times in the Bible where it talks about confession and speaking it with your mouth. And I do- chose to speak it and to put my faith in Jesus. And I have never looked back. Tonight we're going to be looking at Ch- John Chapter 5, the Gospel of John, the last of the four Gospels, the mystical Gospel, the one that records more miracles than any other by far. John, the beloved, we're going to read out of this Gospel tonight. Chapter 5, 1 through 16, the title, if you want a title of this sermon, it will be Things That Keep Us on the Spiritual Sickbed and How to Rise from It. Things That Keep Us on the Spiritual Sickbed and How to Rise from It. So here we go. John 5 verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down. At a certain time into the pool and stood at the water, that whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, He had been in this condition for a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? There was nothing that this man said that prompted Jesus to ask this question. Do you want to be made well? 
A pretty obvious question if you've been sick with an infirmity for 38 years. But remember, there's always a reason why Jesus asked questions. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Imagine people long jumping, pole vaulting, launching into the pool, always before him. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them. He who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Let's pray. The Holy Spirit bless this message. Lord, we pray you'd reveal to our hearts, Jesus, that you'd speak to our ears, Father, that you'd open our eyes to see what you have in store for us tonight. Lord, we're praying for a word from you tonight, God. We pray, Jesus, that you'd move in this service. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It's apparent that this man had opportunities to go into the pool, but missed him every single time for 38 years. It's obvious that he was stuck with where he was at. But you see, Jesus always makes a habit of looking in the inside and not the outside. The Bible says that man looks on the outside, but Jesus looks at the heart. Jesus had to see A glimmer of hope in this man, a possibility to be awakened and to arise. Samuel Bringle, who is in the Salvation Army. Anybody Salvation Army? Come on. Okay. The general next to God, the story of the Salvation Army of William Booth and his wife, Catherine. You should get it. You should read it. Samuel Bringle says this. He shares a story that there was demons and one came to Satan and reported, I killed 10 Christians that were worshiping you in a tent revival meeting. And Satan replies, so what of it? They still have their faith. Another one comes along. I sent some to kill these Christians so they would stop evangelizing and preaching the gospel. And Satan replies, so what of it? They still have their faith. And the third demon comes along and says, I got this one Christian to fall asleep. And Satan in all of hell, H-E-Double-Hockey-Sticks, rejoiced because they got one Christian to fall asleep. You see, we love repetitions. We love systems. But it's in these things that will keep us stuck. God always has the same heart, but He is doing a new work all the time because we are meant to grow. The Bible says yeah. without faith it is impossible to please God. Yeah. I remember one time listening to a great missionary in Houston and he spoke of this story of being in New York City and all these ministries got together in this chapel 
and they're going to pray and seek the face of God before they go evangelize. And in barges in these four men who are the, from a motorcycle ministry. And they got their black vests on and they're looking rugged and they, they were ex-drug addicts who used to shoot up and now they were saved. They march forward, they stand in the front of the altar, they turn around and they just start praying and the Holy Ghost fall, fell on the place. And this man is telling this story and he goes in, and God just came in the room and we're all weeping and crying and seeking God. And I went, why can't that happen these days? Why can't that happen now? And he looked at me and he said, Sean, God still wants to move in a mighty way, but it may not look the same as it did before. Wow. It will look different. Wow. And what I was crying for was to repeat something. Not for God to do something new. We must have the, we must have the faith to carry out what God is speaking to us right now. It's fitting. Mark chapter 11. Anybody familiar with the withered fig tree? Jesus sees a fig tree and it has leaves but no fruit. If you know fig trees, fruit came first then the leaves. This fig tree had leaves but no fruit. And Jesus curses it. The next day it withers and it dies. And Peter sees it and goes, Jesus, the fig tree that you cursed is dead. And the first thing that he said, you know what the first thing he said was? Have faith in God. Because Israel, what had happened, had lost their faith. They had religion. They knew the truth. The Pharisees knew two-thirds of the Bible by heart. But they didn't have the faith to turn it into a real experience, to recognize Jesus for who he really was. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, was 36 years old on a mission trip. He went to preach the gospel to the Indians and found himself saying, well, who's going to preach the gospel to me? Because he sat around the campfire of these Moravians who loved God so much that he said, I don't know the same man that they're talking about, this man named Jesus. And he goes, would you tell me more about him? And John Wesley will tell you, he knew the truth his whole life. He was in church probably more than most of us combined. But he'll tell you at 36 years old, he really got saved on that mission trip because it turned into faith in God that ended up being a real experience. And he was known in his later days to preach a thousand sermons a year. And at 75 years old, told his friends, I'm waiting for the day where I will be tired. Come on. Lord, may I never complain about speaking one time a week. He spoke 24 times a week. At 75 years old, said, I'm waiting to be tired. He's also the one who said, evangelism without discipleship is like making children for the murderer. So, things that will keep us on the spiritual sickbed. There's a danger, a great danger of personal praise and apathy. It is dangerous. It's a dangerous day when we think that we are in no longer need of the gospel. A dangerous day. It's a scary place to be when the cross has become dull in your life and just another story. 
The Bible says that God doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind or self-control. God does not produce wild horses that cannot be tamed. He produces beautiful horses that are willing to follow whichever way the master is telling them to go. You see, real love for God always deflects. This was the very first thing, one of the first things I noticed in Dane McReynolds' life and Daniel Young is the way that these men treated me. I had never been treated like that before. Real love for God always deflects. What I mean by that is this, is these men weren't taking credit for themselves. They were giving Jesus the credit. I had a man the other day, I'd given him a compliment to and I'm honoring him. And he goes, he goes, oh, no, man, no way. Don't honor me. No way. And I'm like, no, it's OK. You love Jesus. He goes, well, what, do, what do you do when somebody honors you? Now, give glory to him. It's a good secret. Give glory to Jesus. He's like, OK, OK. <laughs> the second thing. <laughs> so the first danger of personal praise and apathy. The second one is there is something Another dangerous thing, George Douglas Watson, I love him right now. Brittany McGrinnells has read some of his stuff. Uh, I love his books right now. Uh, he calls this scruples. Uh, what scruples means is when you doubt, when you hesitate, or you have anxiety. And he says this, that there is nothing in the world more completely crippling to a soul in bondage than scruples. It is the policy of Satan to get conscientious people to put hesitation or doubt in the place of a good conscience. You see, when you have faith in Jesus and it carries out in a real experience, it always follows with a hunger for God. You'll notice that This man that was healed of this infirmity for 38 years, did you catch it in verse 14? Where was he? He was immediately in the temple. He hungered for God. And Jesus helped him even more. Sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you. That's some kind of uh, motivation right there. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You see, our favorite Christian response a lot of times when, when asked how we're doing is doing well and fine. Things are great. And what I'm learning in these moments and these simple questions is I do not need to preach a good sermon. I do not need to give praise to myself. And I do not need to just answer with a simple, fine, well, I'm okay so that they'll leave me alone because I'm naturally an introvert and I don't really like talking to people a whole lot. But Jesus has clearly changed my life. I failed speech in college. But uh, the Lord has his ways. Jokes on you, devil. <laughs> My dad was like, how do you fail speech? Come on. Drop me off on the side of the highway and maybe walk home like six miles and then I learned my lesson. <laughs> Don't fail speech. But I simply need to lift up what Christ is doing in my life. His refining work And the great God that he is for the working that he has in my life. Remember what he said when he was in the temple and he realized 
who Jesus really was. And now he was sent out to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. Like we said earlier, without faith, the Bible says it is impossible to please God. The Bible also says that we are saved by grace through faith. Saved by grace through faith. In other words, you can know the truth. You could have heard the truth. You could have heard the name every time. But there, if there is no real faith in God, then it will never bloom into a real experience. Just like eating food and chewing it is to the body, so is truth to the soul. Faith is the digestive organ to the soul. It is by faith that the truth is dissolved and prepared to make it a living substance. Unless we have real faith, the truth we perceive will never convert into real experience. You see, it was a burning bush that Moses saw. It was a small whisper that Elijah heard. It was Jesus hanging on the cross with His blood that touched the Roman soldier. And it was the disciples when they were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And now, it is you who is able through the witness and power of the Holy Spirit to have a revelation of what Jesus did on the cross when His blood was shed for you and for all. Have we had a fresh encounter from God lately? Have we desired more of God or are we satisfied with the fill that we have? You ever been at a baseball game? Any Astros fans in here? I'm not, I'm not a great baseball player at all. I'll be honest right now, it's not my favorite sport. But how many of you know some exciting things to do at baseball games is to yell? And a lot of times you're yelling at the batter, she should have hit the ball, come on! And you got sometimes thousands of people who are yelling at this professional athlete to hit the ball or to not hit the ball. And that is a great example of truth without faith. They're seeing it, but they've never experienced it. But the man sitting in that batter's box has experienced it plenty of times. He knows what it's like to be there. He knows what kind of instincts to have. He knows what he needs to do. And everybody in the stands, most of them were without a clue. They just thought it was smart to swing a bat. I was with Michaela in the movie theaters a couple weeks ago. We got to see a movie together for the first time in a while. I can't even remember what movie it was. Because my memory, I'm getting older. Okay, come on. <laughs> and uh, I have, have acid reflux, and it's terrible. Sometimes things get clogged, and I just I can't like I can't do anything. And I, except you know, you know, and and I'm just miserable. And Michaela's like, you know, we're already late, and it's okay. And I'm like, no, let's go anyway. Let's go anyway. We're sitting in the movie theaters, and I'm like just hunched over. I'm miserable, and she's like, you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And I'm like, God, I can't even like 
swallow. And she lays her hand on my chest and she just goes, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you heal him right now and bring him. And no lie, it like went away. And I was kind of like. And I'll be honest right now. When it comes to healings or praying to healings, that's, that's my weak area. I'm like, Lord, would you help me to. Yeah, you're like, you're like, me too. And would you help me to believe on you more, Jesus, that you can do it and that the power you got can move? And so I looked over and I waited about a good five minutes. I'm like, no, it's really gone. I went, Michaela, it, it's really gone. And she was like, she was like, oh, praise the Lord. And then two minutes later, are you for real? It's really gone. And I'm like, it really is. It really is. Like, you see, my wife's faith to make me well became my faith in believing that God can make me well too. Our faith in God can grow. Don't lose it. Don't forfeit it. Or else, the, or else the truth will only be dissolved and never turn into real experience. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. For some of us, we may simply just have no faith and no real experience, or maybe we have lost it. We cannot digest the food. We cannot hold on to the truth because we do not have faith in God. Mark 5.34, the woman who touched Jesus' clothes, he responded, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Luke 17.19, and speaking to the lepers, he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Mark 10.52, when talking to the blind man, your faith has made you whole. G.D. Watson also says this, why don't you calmly and firmly settle yourself down on the rock of God's promise that the blood of Jesus actually cleanses you from all sin? How long will you have the root of sin in you just as long as you doubt? How long will you have unbelief until the very moment that you believe Doubt is the seed of all sin. And nothing can remove your doubt except faith in God. You do not see that your unbelief, the seed of all sin, must remain in you and on you up to the very instant that you quit doubting and believe that Jesus cleanses. Jesus wants to make you well. You see, the truth is, That for us, if we do not eat, the danger is that we won't die. It's that we are already dead. Mm -hmm. But the good news, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus was able able to see inside this man's heart. He was able to see a glimmer of hope. He was able to see a potential man to be a wonderful Christ follower and a representative of him. He saw it in his heart the same way he sees it in you even tonight. He sees the love 
that is deep down in your heart somewhere. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. He has the only power to change it. He has the only power to protect it. And he has the only power to guard it with his love. I'll close. I'll share one more story. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah. Because I got a few minutes. You guys okay with that? Yeah. You guys like stories. <laughs> I'm at salt. This last salt. The last night, I, you know, we're praying. Who's at salt? Come on. Give myself. Okay. Praise the Lord. Uh, if you weren't there, salt's a beautiful Christian conference. It's incredible. Uh, long story short, there's a movement of God happening. People get prayer. It's incredible. And I, I, I leave towards the end. And I, I help bring my, I help go with my wife to help get the kids up to the hotel room at midnight so they can go to sleep. And, and I help get the kids. And I felt this urge of the Holy Spirit saying, you need to go back. And I looked at Michaela and I go, hey, I, the Lord wants me to go back. And she was like, really? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm from. She was like, okay. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm literally, I'm walking, and the walk turned into a run. And I hear the worship music playing, and I'm like, ah, I might have already missed it. You know, they're already closing out. And out walks one of our students, and he is mad. And mad. And so mad. And he's so angry. And he's walking, and I'm, what's wrong? And I'm walking up to him to his room. And he's literally hitting things, mad, frustrated, and he's cursing. And I'm like, oh, what's up? It's about to happen. Spiritual warfare is coming down. Lord Jesus, I wasn't ready for this. Would you help me be ready right now? I'm like, here we go. I mean, I'm talking, things are being thrown. I mean, things are being like just punching the wall. Not me yet, but punching the wall. And I'm like, I'm starting to pray because this man is, is a, yeah, he, yeah, he's something else. And he's going, I just want a sign from God when he just give me something. You guys always talk about how you hear from him, but I don't hear anything. Why is that? I know a wicked and perverse generation is the only one that asks for a sign, but would he just show me something? That's all I want. And we had, we'd been conversing, and I'm trying to help him just pray. And finally, I stood up and I go, you want a sign? Do you want a sign? You look it down and I go, then look at the cross. Look at the cross and what Jesus did on the cross. And he, and he freezes and he goes, oh man. And I'm like, what's about to happen? And he goes, Preston, who's one of my closest friends, he goes, he told me to read a gospel over the Christmas break. You know what the next thing I'm supposed to read is? The cross. And I'm, There's your sign. There it is. And he, and he jumps up out of his seat, and it was like, that's the faith in God that just happened right there. Yeah. It was yeah. truth. Yeah. And now there was faith, and it turned into real experience, right. and we clutched together, and we hugged it out, and we prayed, and we cried, yeah. and we get over our hotel room, and the Holy Spirit yeah. fell. And his life has been forever changed because there was real faith put in God. Yeah. Moses saw the burning bush because he was already serving him. Yeah. He already had faith in him. And you know what happened a few weeks later? This young man got his first chance to leave a small group and he goes, I heard from Jesus. <laughs> I heard from Jesus. Wow. 
And if you see him on campus, man, this angry heart is witnessing the souls. And yeah. he's just, he hugs everybody because his heart has been changed. Do you see it? Do you see it tonight? Do you see it? It takes both. And that's what Jesus saw. The hope in this man. He knew the truth. But he needed the faith in Jesus to yeah. carry it out so that it could turn into real experience. And he took up his bed. He rose and walked. He sought the face of Jesus and wanted to be more full of the heart of God. Amen. The last verse shall close with is Revelation 21.5. The closing with the words of Jesus. Revelation is the last book that you will find in the scriptures. How many of you know the last words important, the last words at the end tend to be the most important. And Jesus sat on the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. For these words are, you ready? True and faithful. It takes both. These words are true and faithful.